59%. Please be aware the very hot weather warning and the standby signal number one are in force. That's all the news from RTHK. Welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Paul Zimmerman. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're discussing marine life protection after a whale was sighted in waters off Saikung with wounds believed to have been caused by boat propellers. The Chief Secretary, Eric Chan, is reported to have told the Marine Police to increase patrols in the area to keep sightseers away. The whale was first spotted about two weeks ago near Namfung Wan and quickly drew public attention, with uh, many renting boats and hoping to get pictures of it, despite calls by conservationists to leave it alone. Why was the whale outside its usual habitat in the first place? What are its chances of recovery, we'll ask some experts. And after 9.45, with the 2023 Women's World Cup football taking place in Australia and New Zealand, we'll look into the development of the women's game here in Hong Kong. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88-266. Joining us now on the line is uh, Janet Walker, who's a spokesperson for Hong Kong Dolphin Watch and uh, uh, other guests that will be joining us uh, during the programme uh, in due course. But uh, first of all, uh, Janet Walker, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks, thanks very much for joining us. Um, um, so the pictures of this whale with the wounds were apparently taken on Saturday. Um, it, is, is there any update since then that, uh, that you've heard of? Uh, not that we've heard of any more mm. than you would have, no. Mm -hmm. And um, the, uh, the, the, the pictures of the wounds look uh, um, pretty shocking, actually, pretty horrific, uh, um, apparently caused by boat propellers. Um, um, so one of the questions is, of course, uh, what do you think are the chances that uh, the whale will recover from these? Uh, that is very difficult to say. We've seen dolphins over the years with really serious wounds, um, similar to that, and um, as others have said, because of the sort of parallel lineup of them, it does look like boat propellers. Sometimes they survive and sometimes they don't. Um, especially when it's a fresh wound, I always wonder if it's going to be affected, you know, swimming around in less clean water so obviously lots of boats in the area is not going to help that um we really can't say for sure whether um it, it can survive that but the main thing is making sure that it doesn't get wounded again because you know the more boats you have out there the more likely it is that the situation is just going to get worse and worse but i mean whales and dolphins and creatures like this uh, can recover by themselves from after receiving such wounds uh, yes, they can. Some do, some don't. So uh, we hope, uh, you know, we, we remain optimistic, shall we say, but, or we remain hopeful. I'm not sure about optimistic. But, uh, yeah, there have been dolphins um, in Hong Kong that have recovered from some pretty horrendous wounds um, and others that haven't. So you, you really can't forecast what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. Hey, Janet, do you think the whale will stay around for a while? Or? Um, it seems to be quite I, comfortable I, to be here a couple of weeks already, and it's, uh, it, uh, it's, yeah. it seems to be happy <laughs> in general, it except for being very, wounded. It's very, strange. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it's very strange, and baleen whales are often seen with, you know, one or two others. It's um, not that often that you would find one by itself, and obviously it's way off course. So, um, you know, is, is there lots to eat out there? Is it getting enough and it, it's just going to hang out? And you mentioned um, earlier about whether the typhoon would affect it. Will it get out of the way? Will it find that a safe place to be? Uh, we we don't know. It's like the so-called Dave the Dolphin a couple of years ago that was in Deepwater Bay. He stayed around for a long time, um, but didn't have too many people going out chasing after him. I think that might be the big difference here. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't know why whales and dolphins end up where they do. They, they've just euthanized a whole bunch of Western Australia that just washed up there or... You know, and they often beach themselves. So, again, it, it's completely unpredictable. But he, he does seem to be way off course. He or she, they mm. um, mm. seem to be way off course. So mm. I, I don't know how long they mm. can stay around. Is there a history of uh, whales coming around and hanging around our waters here? Is, uh, I'm not so familiar we with have... uh, when this has happened before. We we have had a, a few over the years. Um, there was, gosh three, four, maybe five years ago, a whole pod swam right through the harbour and out off past eastern oh, Hong right. Kong and everybody rushed down to to watch them. That was quite bizarre. And actually one of the first trips before my time that Hong Kong Dolphin Watch did, uh, they spotted a pod of false killer whales off North Lantau and um, followed them from a very safe distance uh, going west and they headed off towards Chinese waters. So they do end up here sometimes and hopefully find their way out, but um, every case is different, so we just ho- hope for the best for this one. Mm. But as, as the waters are cleaning up and we get more fish back in, especially those sheltered uh, waters that are kind of right. uh, where yeah. we're trying to keep the fishermen out and we're uh, having more fish, is, are we going to attract more? Uh, is there a, a greater chance we're going to get more whales and, and possibly other large uh, sea animals to come here? Um, I don't know, because we obviously are on uh, migration routes from north to south, you know, depending on mm. the season, which way they're going. So, you know, maybe this whale did uh, find a, a good supply of food and just followed, you know, went to the source, which which happened to be here. So, uh, and it's interesting because in some countries, um, you know, fisher, fisher people are very... Um, ambivalent some of them will follow whales and dolphins because they can find the food and in other countries they don't like them because they consider they're taking the food so uh um <laughs> you know this one obviously knows where the snacks are to be found yeah this uh, species apparently it's uh, the species of baleen whale it's a it's a bride's whale b-r-y-d-e bride's whale um yeah of course that they're, they're not to be, yeah. yeah yeah it's believe that's right that's what that's what uh, most observers most experts believe it to be it's of course it's not usually seen in hong kong waters uh, um so um they're, they're sort of um am i right in saying they're they like warm water they're sort of equatorial but uh, but <laughs> don't come to this part of the world very often uh, well, it's pretty warm at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> but, no, the water is warm. Uh, that does, yeah, that does beg the question of how climate change is going to affect habitats of mm. um, cetaceans, whales and dolphins. You know, it, the ones who like colder waters might be in trouble. The ones who like warmer waters may suddenly have a, a much wider range. So that could be a, um, 
another thing to consider as to whether we'll have more whales and dolphins here in the future. Okay, 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 interesting. Uh, uh, stay with us. Yeah, uh, we're now joined uh, uh, by Christine Fong, uh, Sai Kung District Councillor. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, all. Uh, uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us uh, on the programme. So um, um, th there's um, a lot of interest in the appearance of this whale, obviously, and quite a lot of concern that uh, it appears to have been uh, uh, injured by a boat uh, propeller. Um, perhaps uh, uh, onlookers trying to get too close. Um, um, what, what do you make of this situation and, and what, what advice would you give to people uh, you know, like coming out to Sai Kung and you know, maybe wanting to rent local boats to go and see it? Yeah, uh, obviously, I mean, uh, of course, we, we strongly urge all the citizens uh, not to chasing the, the wealth in, in Sai Kong. Because, in fact, I myself now in the Sai Kong here, I, mm -hmm. I, uh, I think within the two weeks, uh, especially uh, during the summer time, it did have some, uh, um, you know, uh, residents who, who would like to uh, some road tours. But uh, especially they, they would like to see the world. In fact, um, uh, that's why we highly recommend. Uh, in fact, the AFCD Fishery Conservation Department, they, yeah. they, they, uh, in fact, they have the call of conduct for dolphin watching activities, uh, which say that uh, only one dolphin watching uh, is allowed within a 500 meter range of for dolphins. But today we are talking about the whale. In fact, uh, I think it is um, because the size of the world is much larger than dolphins. So I strongly recommend all the uh, fishermen or even the local uh, boat ferry uh, uh, companies, they, they should not uh, use this kind of uh, or run this kind of business. Mm. And uh, recommend the citizen not to change mm. uh, the world and let let him let the world think, uh, well, you know uh, live happily in our uh, area. But uh, at this moment, we, of course, we know that uh, he, he he got hurt on on his uh, skin. So that's why uh, we also recommend our government to to help them. In fact, uh, yesterday. Um, um, the CD has uh, announced some, uh, the chief secretary yeah. announced and, and urged the policeman to do something, especially the marina department. That's right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As we mentioned at the start, um, yeah, Eric Chan, the Chief Secretary, acting CE, uh, is reportedly asked the uh, Marine Police to increase patrols. Um, uh, Christine Fong, um, I'm afraid it's not a very good connection. Um, I think we're mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna uh, disconnect and try and call you back. Is that okay? Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Fine, okay. Fine. We'll call you back. Uh, okay. Um, uh, Janet Walker. Hi. Um, hi. Just on that. Just on that issue. Um, yeah. The Agriculture Fisheries Conservation Department. Uh, they do have a code of contact for for dolphin watching, don't they? Um, um, what What do you think about the regulations in Hong Kong? Are they uh, effective enough? Do, do they need to be tightened up? They need to be, uh, yeah, I mean, the regulations, if they're actually regulations, are fine. But my understanding, unless it has changed, um, is that the code of conduct is more or less voluntary and not really enforced or enforceable. Um, we've had a lot of problems over the years. For example, um, 
the little Walla Walla boats that come out from Tayo uh, chasing after dolphins. Some of them are very well behaved and observe the code of conduct, and others don't. And um, there's, you know, there's nothing you can do in, in particularly bad cases. I we've reported it to AFCD, and they say, mm. oh well, you know, we we've, we've talked to the the people in uh, in Tayo, and we've given them leaflets and things. And and, and sometimes you get this whole thing of. Is it the Marine Department's responsibility or is it AFCD? Mm. So I think that needs to be clarified. Or they need to work together. You know, how hard would that be? Um, and do something about enforcement because nothing has, has ever been done as far as I'm aware. And I've seen some, you know, some pretty uh, disrespectful behaviour, shall we say, both of the code itself and, and of the wildlife here. So... Um, the, the code of conduct is is okay. It, it just needs to be enforced. I mean, the, the AFCD have made the point that uh, all uh, cetaceans, all whales and dolphins, uh, they're, they're protected wildlife, and intentionally disturbing them could constitute an offence. Um, but uh, but you're saying there's a there's a lack of enforcement here. And who's going to enforce? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Exactly. And you know, intentionally disturbing them. That that's. A fairly vague term because all you need is one one boat driver who's been paid a few hundred dollars for his time to say, "Oh, I didn't mean to do that. It wasn't intentional. Mm. Um, I just wanted, you know, people just wanted a close up look, which they always do. But um, you know, not getting close and not doing things like reverse throttling and approaching animals head on, all those things. Um, I've actually got the code of conduct open. There's like eleven different points there, and there are mm. there are very few boat drivers, I think, who would. Um, you know, sit there and read them all and uh, actually pay attention. So I think education and enforcement are key here, both for visitors like the current one and, and for our uh, native species. Mm. Uh, you know, that's another bizarre thing to me is, is whenever we get a, a visiting whale or dolphin species here, lots and lots of people go rushing out to see it, and yet we've got our own species here who are pink, which is pretty amazing, mm. and nobody's really bothered about them. So um, it's it's very confusing. Is, is there in your area? Is there some uh, kind of a, a group for, forming about for of people that do go out on the boats there regularly? The uh, are the captains in touch with each other, or is there a, is there a way of government for government to communicate with the group as a whole? Uh, and can they are they interested in developing code of conduct? It's been up and down over the years. Many moons ago, we had the Marine Mammal Conservation Working Group, which was under AFCD's auspices. Um, so there was ourselves, um, Ocean Park, the Hong Kong Dolphin Conservation Society. There has been lots of groups over the years. Um, and then obviously with COVID, we couldn't even go out on a boat because, you know, mm. fresh air and all that. <laughs> um, so it's kind of um, fizzled a bit. Um we certainly have been very careful that we've always worked with uh, boat drivers sure. who will, you know, do it properly. Um, obviously, Hong Kong Dolphin Conservation Society does as well. And if we see each other out there, we'll give each other lots of space and give the dolphins lots of space. Um, but it's it's like a lot of the green groups in Hong Kong. There's lots of groups uh, sort of overlapping, but no really formal uh, um cooperation if you like so um and, and when bill leverett started dolphin watch nearly 30 years ago actually um you know this was one of the things he found is that green groups don't always work together 
Right, so there's an opportunity to... Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Christine Fong back on the line, Saikong District Councillor. Hello. Yes, hi. Yeah, oh, that's better. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a lot better. Uh, what about that, that point that um, Janet Walker was making about the, the Marine Department and the, the AFCD? Do you think they, they work together well enough? I, of course, uh, I, I understand that, uh, the, as I said, the CS, the Chief Secretary Chen, uh, just announced and, and asked uh, we, and request the police and marine department to, to increase patrolling in, mm. uh, along the relevant waters, uh, along in, in our Saikong Aumeihoi. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think the department could uh, do much more uh, better, like they could uh, broadcasting or, uh, you know, at least, you know, do some uh, leaflet uh, urging along the the seesaw to urge citizens not to engage in the well-watching uh, activities mm-hmm. and advise those boat owners not to rent out their, their vessel for well-watching. I think yeah. those can, can uh, uh, you know, slightly stop those uh, things happen. But most important is citizen self-discipline about uh, how, how critical, how important for to for all people, all the people who protect our marine animals in Hong Kong. Yeah. I think especially, thank you, especially the Saigon people, they, they love our marine, uh, even though the, the boat owners, they are Saigon uh, you know, citizens. Most of them, they, they live with the water, so they respect the fish. Uh, even Especially the whale is the largest one, and uh, it's the one that we should protect very much. So um, education on respecting marine life is, is most important. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't think the summertime uh, whale watching is, is the famine activity during the holiday. <laughs> and parents, they should, they should uh, urge the, 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 their kids not to do this kind of uh, things in, 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 uh, during the, you know, in the water activities. Is it Christine, uh, in, in, in the district council and the Saikon uh-huh. district council, uh, to uh-huh. what extent are you guys um, kind of getting concerned about uh, the management of the waters at Saikung? Um, sure. I mean, it's not just the whale watching uh, incidents. Uh, now we have uh, the need for for protection of a whale, but uh, with the kayaking uh, accidents rate, uh, the kind of uh, pollution, the ac- the accidents we have between different vessels that uh, sometimes show up in social media. I mean, there are there are we have a growing group of uh, uh, people enjoying the waters, uh, and then COVID helped that to grow, and we see more and more boats and kayaks and small boats and uh, on the waters in Saikun. But uh, the, there is there is an issue of code of conduct among these people. Uh, so what is the Saikun District Council doing about it? Is it being discussed? Or is it an area of concern, or is it hasn't has it not yet been flagged up as an area of concern? Uh, I think all along we did a reflect uh, in our scientific council regarding the water sport or water activities along our uh, promenade. Uh, I think uh, no matter um, water sport, uh, you know how safety that we we increase the the safety or. Uh, and why advise the government to increase uh, to provide some uh, conduct for uh, activities to to let uh, citizens to follow, and including us uh, boat uh, owners to follow as well. So that kind of uh, things uh, uh, we we did uh, you know discuss uh, in in the district council. But uh, I think uh, for for the renew reform of the 
uh, district council in the coming future. I think um, our chairman will be the DO. He he has more power than uh, to to negotiate or liaise with different uh, We we hope uh, we look forward to have a better uh, management. I think in, including. Uh, you know, the parking, uh, the boat ferry parking problem or the safety problem of the safety. Those things we have discussed. And I think I hope this year we'll, we'll have some more implementation. Mm-hmm. Or action to Okay. So that's, that's what I would advise. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, we did get a response uh, from the Marine Department to our inquiry. By the way, I'll, I'll just read it out quickly. It says uh, uh, the Marine Department is responsible for vessel navigation matters in Hong Kong and the safety standards of all classes and types of vessels. Our patrol officers conduct daily patrols in the waters of various districts in Hong Kong to enforce marine legislation to ensure marine traffic safety. Regarding recent whale sightings in Sai Kung, the MD and the Marine Police have stepped up patrols in the waters concerned to ensure marine safety. Our patrol officers have also reminded the coxswains of vessels not to approach the whale and uh, navigate with caution in cyclone waters. Yeah, yeah. So, so their concern is navigation and, and, and the quality and the safety of vessels, but uh, marine life is not uh, high on their agenda. They take an advisory role yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So, so we, have, we have an issue there about who looks after this. Uh, and AFCD doesn't have a lot of equipment, I guess, compared to uh, the marine departments. How about the marine police? Who is responsible, Christine, for here? AFCD, marine department, or the, poli- or the marine police? I mean, where should the owners be, and who should be uh, making sure that uh, marine activities are safe, both for an- for animals and for the people? I think the law and the regulation has not been updated. Uh, it's been a too long from AFCD. I mean, so that kind of law and regulation for. Uh, to, to protect the marine and no matter the vessel or the pep penton, uh, so those kind of things uh, need to review because some of the law and regulation has been uh, issued uh, since the uh, 70s. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's mm-hmm. been out, uh, need to be reviewed. So I would advise um, the, the government and also the legislative council to review that kind of. Uh, Practice law and regulations to protect our marine, marine animals and people. Janet, you agree with this? I mean, you know this more from the from the Lantau point of view because that's the area where you are on the boat regularly. Yes, yeah, I, I do absolutely. Excuse me, I absolutely agree with what Christine said there about updating the regulations. Um, you know, they're fine, they're fine as they are, but. Um, you know, and what she said about people just being responsible themselves as well, because if, if the regulations are not adequate, I mean, obviously your average person's not going to know what they are anyway, but, you know, people just need to exercise a bit of common sense and the regulations do need to be looked at. Um, and it is good to hear that uh, the Marine Department says that they're uh, um, trying to be a bit more proactive now because, um, you know, let's just hope it's not too little too late in this particular instance. You mentioned that in Hong Kong we do have our own dolphin species, the pink ones. I believe the correct name is the Chinese white dolphin is the official name. Of course, they're 
they can be seen um, off mm. the southwest of of, uh, of uh, Taiyo, the far west of Lantau, um, and uh, you can sort of uh, get a boat from Taiyo to go out and see the dolphins. Uh, um, quite a few people I know oh. have done it. Um, that operation um, is that is that satisfactory? Do you think, in terms of um, you know, not disturbing, no. not disturbing them too much, or what? No, not mm. at all. Um, it's a very mixed bag. Um, there are definitely some drivers who are respectful of the dolphins and careful, and there are some who just don't care. It's a pile them high and sell them cheap tour. And I've heard, I, I've seen it with my own eyes, as it were, and I've also heard from different views. Um, a TV crew um, who did a feature about us for the travel show a few years ago, um, the lady said she had been out the day before. They'd rented their own boat out of Tayo, um, paid the money, didn't see any dolphins, and she said, well, can we stay out longer? And the guy just put his hand down and said, money, money. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's all about the money. And the thing is, I think they all talk to each other, so... We get out there fairly early because our boat starts from Tung Chung. If we see dolphins and we're anywhere near, uh, you know, within visibility of Tayo, quite often they will come over and see what we're doing. And then I think they must contact other drivers because then you'll have four or five coming. And we can't be part of that because we yeah. want to do it responsibly. Yeah. So we will leave. But as you sail away, you can see all these boats zipping in and out. So that absolutely needs um regulating okay okay and, so, so yeah sorry we're just going to take, take a break here we've got to take a break there because we've got a news summary coming mm. up but we'll we'll continue in about uh, three minutes time um we've got to say uh, goodbye and thank you now to christine fong uh saikong district councillor uh janet walker i uh, hope you can uh, uh, stay with us uh, uh, like i say we'll be back um after this quick look at the weather it's going to be uh, mainly fine extremely hot during the day top temperature around 35 degrees uh, uh, a few showers and thunderstorms later and uh, the outlook occasional heavy squally showers tomorrow and on saturday and windy offshore uh, currently it's 33 degrees humidity's at 61 uh, percent the standby signal number one is in effect and the very hot weather warning is in effect News summary with Barry O'Rourke. Volunteers at Food Angel who deliver meals to the underprivileged will get basic medical training to help monitor the health of the elderly. Dr. Arcus Wong, an assistant professor in the School of Nursing at Polytechnic University, says the pilot program will monitor 100 elderly people in Shamshui Po. Dr. Wong said the volunteers will input basic health data into the nursing, the mobile nursing app M Health, hopefully easing the burden on primary health care. Chief Executive John Lee and his delegation will head to Malaysia this morning, the final leg of his ASEAN trip, to promote business and trade. He's expected to meet Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim in Kuala Lumpur this morning. He'll return to Hong Kong on Saturday. And Ocean Park says the bride's whale spotted in Saikung two weeks ago is in good condition, despite having two propeller wounds. The park's general curator, Philip Wong, said the public should stay at least 100 metres away from the whale. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. No matter how cool you are, no matter how popular the photos you shared on social media, once you take drugs, they will damage your physical and mental health or even ruin your life. Call 1-866-186 or send a message via WhatsApp or WeChat to 9816186 to speak with us. We are here to help. 
Let's stand firm. Knock drugs out. Let's spend the consumption vouchers together. For Octopus users, just tap your cards. For other stored value facilities users, use the mobile apps. E-payment is convenient and easy. Spend the vouchers at local stores and online platforms. Remember to check the deadline and balance and use it up. Happy spending! Let's boost our economy. Visit the Consumption Voucher Scheme website for more. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Back Chat with Paul Zimmerman and me, Jim Gould. And this morning in our main topic, uh, we're talking about marine life protection uh, after those uh, pictures appeared of uh, a whale off uh, Sai Kung um, with injuries apparently caused by uh, boat propellers. Um, we have with us uh, on the line uh, Janet Walker, a spokesperson for Hong Kong Dolphin Watch, and also joining us now, uh, Paul Arkwright, General Manager of Hebe Haven Yacht Club. Uh, Paul Arkwright, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, uh, now, y your members uh, were among uh, some of the first people to spot uh, this whale a couple of weeks ago in uh, uh, Fung One uh, off uh, Millionaire's Beach. Um, um, you you've been liaising with the authorities on this uh, matter, haven't you? Uh, um, uh, what can you tell us? Any, any updates? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was actually uh, our sailing instructors, one of our sailing instructors, Lily Reed, uh, uh, together with Sam, uh, another one of our assistant sailing instructors, uh, who were out on the safety boat, uh, and they were taking the group of children uh, on one of our summer camps where we get them sailing around the waters of uh, Hong Kong. They were the first ones to, to spot the, the whale, um, and like you said earlier, it, it was a bride's whale. And, um, of course, that was very exciting for everybody concerned. And immediately um, I liaised that to our ESG committee, our Environmental, Social and Governance Committee. And it, it was very clear that um, we needed to do all we could in order to not have a media frenzy around the whale and not have uh, the world and his wife going to see it. And so... Um, we got in contact with, we have maintained very close relationship with the Marine Police, AFCD and MARDEP. We're pretty much in daily contact with them for one reason or another, um, be it navigational, be it um, uh, keeping the waters safe uh, around uh, Hebe Haven or environmental work. Um, and so I got straight on the phone uh, to the uh, divisional commander of uh, Marine Police and what was launched uh, on that day, and to their credit, they, they did uh, jump into action very quickly, was a joint operation between uh, all three departments um, and uh, with a view to making sure that boats uh, kept their distance uh, from the area uh, in case the whale uh, was recited, which it was later on, um, but to make sure that boats uh, kept their distance uh, away from that. And the Marine Police actually used, it's the first time I've seen it being used, they have new drones um, which have a, a range of about seven kilometres. And these can go out um, and then they can approach a vessel. So there's no need for them to bring a rib in uh, like the traditional way they would, they would take their ribs right up, mm -hmm. the inflatable dinghies right up to the boat. They can now just send a drone over 
and they ha they're equipped with both cameras and uh, loudspeakers, so they can issue a warning message if the vessels are getting too close. Uh, they, they can tell them uh, to, to back away and uh, also to reduce their speed. And how's it going? I mean, is it effective? I mean, I, that's a very good question because I, I got concerned. The next day, we, of course, uh, the, the video went viral and we got uh, a lot of media interest. We, we had like 20-odd media turn up at the Yacht Club. Um, so what I did, I thought, let's put this to good use. Let, let's use the media now. I'm not going to take them on a whale-watching tour. And I made that very clear to them. I said, what we're going to do is very unlikely that whale will be in the same location anyway, but we'll take you to the vicinity so you can, uh, you know, report on it. But the message I, I want you to be reporting, and to their credit, most of the media did pick up on that, it was that people should slow down and keep their distance. And so far, so good. Um, um, oh, is I mean, it? there have I mean... been the reports more recently of the propeller mm -hmm. injury to the whale, and as um, uh, Jana alluded to earlier, you can do everything you can to try to make people follow the rules and be sensible, but you're never gonna mm. you're never gonna achieve that with all the people. There's always going to be one or two uh, sort of rogue elements who want to go in, uh, you know, too close. And I think that I, I would speculate that's what's happened um, in, in the case of the uh, purported injury. We had a sighting of the whale yesterday again, mm. um, and um, it didn't seem to have affected its behaviour. It was uh, exhibiting that typical uh, where it's broaching the surface and, it, and it's feeding. Uh, so it, it seemed to be happy in, in its normal feeding behavior. And it's in the same location or in the same area? Or in... I'm, I'm deliberately not going to say gonna the say... location okay, of right. where it was spotted. <laughs> Good man. Because otherwise, if I announce that on the radio, then there'll be loads of people <laughs> going out there. <laughs> but, but, but your ob observation of uh, the behavior on the water, you say there are rogue elements maybe that uh, kind of... Like, uh, uh, get too close but um, in general you see good behavior on the water you see people respond the boat uh, but uh, the boat captains responding to this call for uh, being conservative in the approach yeah I, w I would say I was pleasantly surprised that there wasn't um, a huge abundance of vessels in that what what can be a very high traffic area um, but that was and, a weekday um, how about the weekend and at the weekend, um, it, it was normal. There, wasn't, there mm. wasn't a huge amount of additional traffic. It does obviously get busier on the weekend, but the weather hasn't been so, so favorable um, recently with the, with the two typhoons. We've got the one approaching again today. So that's kind of kept a lot of people off the water as well, which is a saving grace for the whale. So, so before the uh, the news, um, and, and Janet and I had a, a bit of an interchange about you know, so who's responsible and and how do we coordinate safety uh, for both marine life, but also for for the, for the uh, you know the sailors out there and the many sailors out there, pedal boarders and canoers and uh, many novices on the water, especially in Sai Kung, and but also in increasingly in in Lantau, and the more people who live there, the more the people will be out on the water. So, what are, are we organised enough? for safety and for good behavior on the water and communication among captains and, and um, those who can help to make sure that the waters are safe? Uh, I would say I, I can speak firstly for, for He Behaving Yacht Club and mm. I could say that's a, a definite yes. Uh, 
safety is is a very big priority for us. And um, we actually have both on and off water um, safety uh, patrols and uh, persons in charge of safety to ensure and to help coordinate efforts uh, between all the departments and and also all of the members who who are going out and and using the waters uh, around Saikong. Actually, my background is environmental. I studied ecology um, and climatic uh, change, and I've done quite a few um, environmental impact assessments in Hong Kong over the 30 years I've been here. And so it's something that's very close to my heart, and it's one of the things that I I wanted to ensure that the club continued to grow in terms of um, being a sort of champion of environmental sustainability. We, we have a number of initiatives that, that we do, and I, there's definitely no magic pill. You can't suddenly make everybody um, be aware of the environment. But one thing that we're, we're very strong uh, at the club is if you train up the children and if you instill in, in the, the youngsters um, a sense of responsibility, and that, that goes many ways. That goes environmental responsibility, um, social responsibility. But if you can train that up in them, then they're the best custodians, and they pass it on to their parents. They start blaming their parents if they're doing something uh, that, that's not right. And so we, we have over the years um, been doing a lot of, Sort of clean up work, sure. beach clean up work, and but Paul, also, that's that's, a, that's uh, really yeah. the kind of the club initiatives. How about mm. the community, the overall community, the uh, the, the Saikung uh, b- boaters that are out there? I mean, you got private boaters, you got the, the the industrial boaters, you got the the sampan ladies. I mean, we've got lots of different boaters out there. We got the people organising canoes and uh, uh, rental. We got uh, paddle boarders. We got lots of people out there on the water. To what extent is there the communities working together? on uh, safety on the water but also being good behavior and keeping it clean and keeping the keeping the uh, the uh, the wildlife um, um, you know don't step wildlife and and let it all be happy together to what extent are we working together there so we're, we're we're definitely making good inroads and i think in particular with the marine police uh, are helping us to to get the message out to a much wider uh, community in terms of safety one of the things is reducing boat speed uh, and and that is across the the board for everybody who's on the water now in recent years the um, what's happened is the speed restriction zone which covers the whole of um, the the shelter cove where Hebe Haven is located it has been re- it's been a reduction in the speed limit there throughout the year it used to just be uh, go slow in the in the summer months but now it's go slow the whole year through um, so that's one uh, method that that has been uh, used to help uh, protect the environment from disturbance of uh, wash from uh, the boats. But also with the uh, AFCD uh, and MARDEP, we work closely together with them and they will come and help us uh, to, if we spot um, something that's either dangerous for navigation or a massive piece of rubbish that's been washed up on the beach um, uh, and could pose a, a danger to leaking oil or something like this if it's a broken boat, then they will they will uh, be very responsive and come out and remove that potential source of pollution. But I think generally it is a question of education. Um, I, there's definitely more that, that can be done, and we're, we're going to be launching a, a series of community 
um, education seminars, uh, which will be open to everybody um, to help to further spread the message of what people can do individually and collectively to, to help protect the environment and the waters around Hong Kong. Okay, okay, that, that, that's great. Uh, uh, let's just uh, ask uh, Janet Walker before we uh, wind up uh, this part of the programme. Um, that educational um, element, uh, uh, Janet, of course, that's a that's a very big part of what you do at Hong Kong Dolphin Watch. Um, um, how do how do you find the the attitude of of people? Uh, is it changing? Uh, is the younger generation becoming more responsive? I think the younger generation has always been fairly responsive. <laughs> uh, we've we've always done school trips and school tours, and mm. I joined Dolphin Watch in. 1997, when I was very young. Right. And, um, it's the parents you know, that are like a problem, is the, it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that the kids who came on our tours then or whose schools we went into, you know, took something away from that and, and still bear that in mind. Um, but I do think that um, environmentalism generally has become much more of a thing in, in Hong Kong over the years. And uh, it's it's basically part of the curriculum in a lot of schools now. So um, mm. I totally agree with what he just said there about mm. um, educating the young ones, which obviously for the current whale, you know, uh, as he said, we hope the kids will say, hey, mum, hey, dad. You know, I used to worry that they'd go home and go, mum, I don't want fish for dinner because the dolphin lady told me there weren't enough left kind oh, of yes. thing. Um, I don't think I have that kind of influence. Okay. But um, it is absolutely key to... Um, to all of this is, um, as you said, being the custodians and, um, and educating the young and the not-so-young, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is very important. All right, all well, right, thanks. great. Well, well, thank you very much uh, uh, to both good. of you for uh, joining this morning's discussion. Uh, Janet Walker is a spokesperson thank for you. Hong Kong Dolphin Watch, and thanks very much to Paul Arkwright, uh, General Manager of the Hebe Haven Yacht Club. And keeping our waters safe and great around Lantau and in Saikun. Very important. Thank you. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, audience of RTHK. I'm Paul Chen, the Financial Secretary. This year marks the 95th anniversary of RTHK. I wish RTHK every success in starting a new chapter for public service broadcasting. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay, tuned. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last part of uh, this morning's programme, we're now uh, joined in our studio by uh, Jackie Chan, who's uh, an assistant professor in the Department of Health Scientists at uh, Caritas Institute of Higher Education. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. And, uh, and Jackie's here to talk about the development of women's football in Hong Kong. Uh, it's a timely topic, of course, because we've got the Women's World Cup going on in uh, Australia and, uh, and New Zealand. Uh, we're, uh, 32 teams from around the world are taking part in that competition. Um, uh, so, uh, so uh, Jackie, how much of an influence, how much of an inspiration is uh, an event like the Women's World Cup on the development of the game here? Um, actually, it's uh, quite an exciting moment uh, in those days because uh, I can see uh, a lot of uh, Asian, Asian teams uh, go into the final one, uh, including the Japan, Philippines, uh, mainland China. Uh, so that it can be a not only the experience, but also is inspiration for our, our kids, our youth, teen, teenagers. Mm -hmm. And women's football in Hong Kong, where are we? 
Where are we? Um, how many people? I mean, what, how, the teams, how many teams, uh, how many players oh. are we have in Hong Kong? Okay. Uh, according to the statistics, uh-huh. yeah, uh, the number of teams is not uh, that larger as the men's teams because uh, actually the the uh, the lead set by the uh, Hong Kong FA is just the uh, two two leads. And then one, uh, one we call is the women need. Another one is called the youth women need. Uh, in case we include, include uh, the five, uh, five people side games, then we have a free list is, we call it formal and official games. But of course, we can also including, uh, we can also include, uh, the inter school, local inter school competition. Then the team may be more. But okay. of course, uh, for example, just take example, example, uh, the secondary school, uh, games we only have uh, about twenty something to thirty, but compared to to the men's team, twenty to thirty teams, teams of all. So does it what eleven, twelve, thir- fifteen players each? It's about three hundred uh, people. Uh, yes, yes. I register in uh, secondary school, but uh, in men's team, in men's division, there are more than hundred in Hong Kong Island and Kowloon side. But over school, then there may be. 30, uh, 300. And is it growing? Or is it, is it it's getting, still growing. It's still are people getting excited? I mean, I, I just picked up a newspaper earlier this week and it was fantastic photographs of uh, uh, women's soccer on the, uh, on the sports page. So mm. I, I just wonder to what extent it's just, it's catching more and more attention of the media and thereby it's growing. Is, is it? They're, they're growing. Uh, for example, uh, in before uh, year 2010, or we can say is uh, 1990s, uh, the number of uh, women players in Hong Kong we call is just less than 1% o- out of the overall. Mm. But now uh, we have the statistic is about uh, 13%. Mm. So that is increasing uh, quite a great percentage. And do we have an t- international team? Do we uh, we have an mm. international team, but in- very interesting. Uh, the ranking of women is higher than the men's. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I believe the current FIFA ranking is uh, 78, is it, internationally? For, uh, for, the, for the women? For the uh, yeah, 78. Team, 78. And, and, and at one point it was, uh, uh, it, in, in 2009, it was uh, 58. So international rankings fluctuate, don't they? But, uh, and, and do we but, have some named star players in terms of where the media is focusing their attention, people that the players, people that the media is focusing their attention on? In the, uh, they're local. Yeah. Um, they're very young. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them we call uh, Kerry Chen, Chen Zhongman, Chen Zhongman, who already uh, moved with uh, her family members uh, to UK. Yeah, um, to, to pursue uh, uh, women's to study. soccer. Uh, uh, and yes, to, to study. And she's playing soccer and she's studying there? Or? They're also studying there, so uh, we call her a semi professional okay. uh, women player. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you mentioned the various uh, Asian teams uh, at the Women's World Cup, uh, including China, of course. Uh, um, um, unfortunately, lost the first game against uh, Denmark, but uh, still have to play. Still have to play England, actually, and uh, and Haiti. Um, so, uh, I guess a, a win there, one of those games for the for the China team, uh, that should be like a, an inspiring moment for football fans, for women. Well, football fans generally and uh, women players here in Hong Kong. Of course. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And so uh, do you find that there's, uh, that there's support for the development of the game from, from the sports authorities, uh, from schools? Uh, um, 
Yeah. Is there an, are, are women encouraged to play soccer in yeah. Hong Kong? Or yeah. are we, is it still a men's sport promoted by men? Uh, I mean, you're, we're, we're all men here on the radio are, this morning. Uh, yeah. Actually, um, it's not just uh, the culture for, for football only. Actually, it's the overall culture in Hong Kong, not uh, for sport, or, or, of, uh, just like uh, basketball, uh, rugby, they all, mm-hmm. they all, I can say, they all um, men's sport. But I can see the support from from school, from Hong Kong FA and the government. But of course, uh, the money, the financial support is not that proportion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because something like uh, uh, women's rugby is quite well established uh, now in in Hong Kong. Seven. For instance, mm. uh, at, this, at, this, at the sevens, uh, you know, usually there's a, a women's tournament mm-hmm. as well, and uh, and there's a, a lot of promotion by the by the rugby uh, mm. authorities. Women's golf also, and and, and women's cricket uh, uh, are getting bigger, expanding, mm. and uh, so so we could expect to see uh, more activity in the women's soccer area going forward. You know? Actually, in two thousand. 2010 or, or, or 14 that we uh, we have a uh, a project uh, Phoenix, yeah, but it just lasts for three years, and then uh, later on we have uh, another project five years strategic plan we uh, we call it aiming high together mm-hmm. in two is uh, 2014, mm-hmm. and now we have another big 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 project. You say 15 years strategic plan. Yes, we call it Vision 2025. Mm. Actually, I can see uh, there's a change or uh, the direction is totally different because at the very beginning, they said the goal is very short term. Just three years, how come a, a support to a, a, a national team or the local sport for uh, overall participation is that, that short? But I can see uh, the Hong Kong authority parties, they move the directions, uh, seems to have a, set a pretty long-term goal. Mm. I can say uh, direction is correct. Of course, mm. quite, uh, the result quite depends on the tactics. Mm. In, in Holland, where I'm originally from, uh, the, uh, it was the field, field hockey where the women were, and the, women, the female teams were f- far more interesting than the men's, <laughs> than the men's team. Uh, and of course, in Asia, it's the uh, volleyball, uh, and uh, female volleyball mm. is, is, of course, extremely popular. Do you see this, this opportunity for, uh, for women's soccer to be kind of have this, reach the same level of popularity versus the men's game? Quite depends on the sponsorship. I can uh, one of the one of the points uh, I can see recently. Uh, uh, one of faction company, uh, Parda. Yeah, uh-huh. they uh, have a, a partnership with the mainland China. Yes, I can see. It's very interesting. The the chemistry mixture is very interesting. How come a professional team and then a, a also is the first night the professional uh, fashion design can have a mixture there. To provide the money, provide the uh, provide the, the image promotion, so that I think is one of the way to increase uh, the image, the the impression for the Hong Kong local, national uh, or the local teams. And not just from a fashion point of view, but from a point of view that when there's more money, there's better training, there is yeah, more, there's more training. interest from the media, and then you have that positive the cycle where, mm. uh, where things yeah. start to grow. Just mm. like the, uh, the one of the Hong Kong uh, basketball team recently, they joined the mainland uh, summer league, mm. so that they also recruit a lot of uh, professional fans mm. yeah, from uh, Taiwan to come to Hong Kong for the support. So it's just attract uh, the audience. Mm. 
uh, the fans. Mm. Yeah. So, so for the uh, Vision 2025 uh, programme that you mentioned, uh, um, where, where will we be in 2025? What will be the result or the hoped for result? Hmm. Uh, actually, they set to the target to, uh, for the uh, women's team. Uh, they would like to go into the final one of the Asia, Asian Cup. Just the final one, not the final, the final one. Mm-hmm. It would be qualified mm-hmm. to be there. Mm-hmm. Actually, they, uh, one of the, uh, one of, there were seven strategic goals. Uh, one of those is mainly uh, related to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others is about uh, the youth or the men's or the overall World Cup. But actually, uh, at least I can see women have a place there. And are we going to get there? Are we going to... Yes, I, I think the chance, the, the chance is uh, honestly greater than the men's. I see. Yeah, yeah. because men's, they said the goal is qualifying the final one in uh, 2034 of World Cup. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's really, really high, high... Expectation or yes, standard. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So right. we, we've seen issues with the organization of, of football, both mm. on the mainland and in Hong Kong, whether the kind of the football association or unions or the organization, the people that organize the soccer in the mainland and, and in Hong Kong have had troubles, internal organizational troubles, management issues and so on. Do, are we going to grow out of this? Are we, are we, are we going to get better and, mm. uh, and more professional? Uh, you mean uh, the management level? Yeah, yeah. Well, this, the overall kind of management of football in on the mainland and in Hong Kong, we've had, we, we had we've had some issues you know, over the years. Yeah, yes, uh, you know, in, in, and I would say professionalism. <laughs> Actually, it's it related to the system or the um, the board member, the voting system. Yeah, yes, they have a great supervision regular regularly. Uh, the the problem can be uh, reduced a lot. Yes, it's related to the system. And are, are we going to get better at that? Are we going to get better organized? To yeah, I think they have it uh, better organized uh, since uh, in the Phoenix, uh, the Project Phoenix. But uh, of course, uh, it's more financial support. Money may be one of the uh, matters. If we are not going to closely, closely supervise, monitor uh, the use, the allocation of money, then problems will come. Right, and then the the facilities in Sai Kung mm. uh, at Loas Park. I see the pitches have been starting to be built. Mm. They're starting to be, get more used now. That was, that was supposed to become a big training center for soccer in the uh, now. In it, it's already is a major uh, training center for, for women for men. Yeah. Okay, and that continues to grow, and it's they it's working to... very well. I mean, I can see it when uh, every time I come by and I will hike the mountains, I see the area increasing. But to what extent the people are using it, and uh, the, the, it's that's going well. The facility there uh, are going to go, but overall, because I also concern not only the the premium league or uh, the professional standard, but also the uh, po- uh, the overall participation. Because we can see, actually, we have four sorts of two hundred football pitch in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. Actually, okay. we have three hundred something now, mm-hmm. but uh, the the demand for football pitch depends on the population is five hundred. Uh, one five hundred. Okay, let, okay, well, let's hope we get some more uh, football pitches uh, soon and continue to develop the game. But uh, uh, we have to wind it up there because uh, we're out of time. But thank you very much for uh, joining us in the studio there. It was uh, Jackie Chan, Assistant Professor in the Department of Health Scientists at Caritas Institute of Higher Education. Thanks very much to you, Paul. Thanks to our more, producer, More football Raphael. pitches. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the conclusion. Thank you for your invitation.